All right, church, good morning. Thank you, Billy and the choir, for leading us in worship. Thank you to Austin for the great children's message. It tells you how poor he was when he was in college. He was eating baby food. Or maybe he just liked it. I don't know for sure, but uh, bless his heart. And I think we can all remember those days if you were... If you went to college, a couple of things, uh, real, real um, quickly. Um, my wife has a birthday this week, and so happy birthday uh, to my wife. She'll be 32, and um, I married young. Forgive me, uh, but uh, my lovely wife will have a birthday this week, and so happy birthday uh, to her. You got to get all those brownie points, Daryl, when you can get them, see, and and I'm trying to teach him, Vicky, but. You know, it's taken some time. But uh, church, it is good to see you. Most of you, or some of you, I've seen you over the last two days. And uh, if you're wondering why I'm wearing blue this morning, well, this was Martha Jean's favorite color. And so, Bob, where are you at out there, brother? Uh, and so I thought I would wear blue today. And uh, and so our hearts are uh, with Bob and, and Laura and Laura Ann and their family. And uh, oh, he's got his blue pocket knife. <laughs> and so... Uh, it's been a great two days getting uh, to worship uh, and be together as church family with them and uh, to celebrate her life. And, and I know she was a huge, huge uh, component of this church family over the last 50, 60 years. And so God bless her. And uh, I know now there's no more health issues, uh, no more laying in bed. And she's up, she's, she's dancing around, she's rejoicing, and she's praising God. And so praise the Lord for that. Amen. And so I pray that you have your Bible with you this morning. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 20. A few more of these to go, and then we're going to head into something different on Sunday mornings. But Acts, chapter 20, verses 17 through 24. And the title of the sermon this morning is more of a question. How will you be what? Remembered, I, I thought this, this is, this is thought-provoking, right? This makes us dig a little deep. It, it makes us think about who we are, who we've been, and maybe the person that we want to be. And so I want you to listen to this quick story before we jump in. But Acts chapter 20, 17 through 24, get your sermon outline out as well as we get ready to work through that. But listen to this, this story. Words for a dear husband, a beloved father and grandfather, a brother, an uncle, a friend, boss and co-worker, words for a kindly neighbor, among many other more diverse roles he held. But for today, he has just loved our loved one. Each person that comes through the processional line shares a different memory with the theme woven throughout each and every sentiment being from the kindness he displayed as he lived out his life. Even the funny stories bring about a torrent of tears. We're bound together by humanity, even in our baser moments. These words, they heal us. Words mean so much. He was a humble man. He was a man of the land, a hardworking man, a family man, a man of faith in the God that he served, just an ordinary man, and yet his story reveals a life lived out of reserve of extraordinary love, patience, kindness, and caring. This is no ordinary feat. As I stand there absorbing the impact of all these heartwarming words, she leans toward my ear and whispers these additional Profoundly moving words proffered about her cherished father. Listen to this. It doesn't matter what you did for work, what line of employment you were in. It matters how you lived your life. And she's right. It matters. It does indeed. 
And if you had lived compassionately with caring and kindness, you have done life well. It's, our, it's not our significant successes or accomplishments that linger long in hearts and minds, but rather our kindness and caring that people will remember. That's what really matters. Amen? That's what really matters. You know, as the Apostle Paul was finishing up his third missionary journey and it was coming to an end, he, he, he traveled already, people believe, maybe up to 10,000 miles on boat and by foot to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this missionary war, warrior of the gospel, he had his sights set on going back to Jerusalem. But before he does, he stops at Miletus the Bible tells us. And Miletus, he, he sends for the elders of the church of Ephesus, and the Bible reminds us that Paul had served in Ephesus for over three years, and during that time, we know that Paul, he preached the gospel. We know that he strengthened the church. We know that he built up leadership within the church, and the scripture tells us that God, through God, that Paul did some amazing things, that even the handkerchiefs and the aprons that Paul had touched were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. And so here we are in, in our scripture, and we had this picturesque setting of Paul, the missionary, the church planner, the bearer of light for, the, for Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and some of the people that he had invested his life in, people that he influenced for the gospel, People that he had touched spiritually, people that he had touched with love and with kindness, people that he had cared for, and these leaders of the Ephesian church, they're sitting here and they're listening to this farewell speech by the Apostle Paul. Now, I'm not sure how many of you have ever made a farewell speech, but they can be emotional, they can be touching, and they're very genuine and they're very endearing. But I want to ask you this morning, if you could give a farewell speech about your life, what would you say? If you stood up today and gave a farewell speech about your life, what would you say? Or let me, let me ask you this. How would you want to be remembered? How would you want to be Remembered. You know, a, a lot of people today are living with this mentality that I don't really care what people think about me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if people have a problem with it, then that's their problem. But I want to ask you, is that really how you want to be remembered? Is that really the person that you want to be remembered? Because there's going to come a day where over the last two days, this is going to be you. There's going to come a day when the lungs stop working. There's going to come a day when the heart stops beating. There's going to come a day when the eye stops seeing. There's going to come a day when the legs quit walking. And you're going to be gone. And my question to you is this, is how do you want to be remembered? What kind of person do you want to be remembered for? You know, sometimes there's people that are hard-hearted. Sometimes there's people that are just mean and, and cruel. And sometimes there are people that they have just got to the point of they quit caring what other people think. And so they're just more involved in who they are. And, and they really just don't care anymore. But is that really what you want to be remembered for? 
You know, as we gathered here at Cecilia Baptist over the last two days to celebrate the life of Martha Jean Owsley, I said this yesterday. I said there's four things that I know that were absolute truths about this woman. Number one was this, she loved her family. Number two was this, that she loved people. Number three was this, that she served the Lord and she loved God. And number four was this, she looked forward to her eternal resting place. Those were four truths that I knew about this woman. From, from being around her family, to being around her church family, and other people that came through these doors. So as the Apostle Paul, as he sits down with these brothers in Christ from Ephesus, he points out some things that I would hope that all of us Christians would want to be remembered for when we leave this life. Let's read Acts 20, verses 17 through 24. Hear what it says. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I have lived the whole time I was with you from the first day that I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that he, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However... I consider my life worth nothing to me. If I only may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Today we look forward to all week long, a day to come in and to worship. Father, to see our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, to uh, just have the opportunity to give back unto you, to hear your word, and to see you change lives. And so, Father, we ask that of you today, Father. Lord, we pray that you open up our hearts, that you open up our minds, and these words are not just tossed back and fro, but, Father God, they are heard and they are absorbed. And, Father, we see people make decisions, Lord, for you and for themselves, for their families, and for the people that they're in contact with each and every day. Lord, we know that you're changing lives. Father, we know that you are at work. We know the Holy Spirit is in us and among us and with us. And so, Father, we ask you right now in a great way, Lord, use this sermon, Lord, to bring glory to you. And that, Father, people can have a change, even at this very moment, of who they are, Lord, in you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, there was a time in the Apostle Paul's life where the Apostle Paul thought he was holy. He thought he was religious. He thought he was justified. And there was a time in Paul's life, if he had died before his conversion to Christianity, he would have been known as a terrorist among the followers of Jesus. There was a time in Paul's life where Jesus was nothing more than a common man from Nazareth, and he was creating this heretical stir amongst the people. There was a time in the, the life of Paul that he opposed Jesus. 
that he persecuted Christians. But the day that Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, everything in Paul's life changed. Why? Because he placed his faith in who? In Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was baptized. He said he got up. He regained his strength. He began to preach what he had presently stood against. And his missionary journey began to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to the Jews. So number one on your sermon outline this morning, when it comes to being remembered, Paul says this, I serve the Lord with humility and with what? And with tears. I serve the Lord with humility and with tears. Now, by serving people, Paul was serving Jesus. Amen? That's what he did in his life. By serving people... Paul was serving Jesus, and so Paul served Jesus for three years in the book of Ephesus, we're told. From preaching the gospel to the ears that would listen to performing great miracles through this man. And I want you to notice the scripture. Here it says he served the Lord with humility, and he served him with tears. See, Paul's investment into Jesus made him become more and more invested into who? into others. And that's what Paul is talking about at this very moment. The Scripture reminds us, I'm going to give you three real quick. Philippians 2.3, it says this, Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider in people other better than yourselves. In humility, consider other people better than yourselves. Colossians 3.12, it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe, your, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and greatness or gentleness and patience. One more from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4.12, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with another in love. This was the Apostle Paul. Paul was spiritually, emotionally, and actively serving the Lord Jesus by spiritually, emotionally, and actively serving other people. This is what he did in his life. And the work that Paul did for Jesus, it was never credited to Paul. But Paul credited everything he did for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't puff up his chest or brag when people got saved or when their lives were turned around. That's not what Paul did. Paul was the type that would say, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. That's the type of person that Paul was. He was the type of person that would say, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for using me. He was the type of person that would say, thank you, Lord, for these individuals and for these families that have been saved. That's the kind of person that Paul was. See, when you're invested in Jesus genuinely, you serve with humility. Amen? That's what you do. You serve with tears and you serve with joy and you serve with even the tears of sorrow. Why? Because tears of joy happen when folks place their faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing more emotionally stirring in the life of a pastor than when someone comes and says, Pastor, I want to be what? I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. There shouldn't be anything in the church body that's more emotionally stirring than when somebody walks that aisle. Why? Because you are seeing God at work. Amen? 
People are saying, well, I don't see God. I don't see God at work. I don't see God moving. Listen, when people get out of the pews and they start moving, that's God moving. That's God moving. That's God working. And there's tears of sorrow from every pastor when people reject the gospel. I cannot tell you how many times that I have talked to people and, and, and they'd be right there at, at that moment. They'd be right there ready to give their life to Jesus and then something creeps in. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a past failure. It's a sin that they're dealing with. It's the, it's a, it's a, maybe it's the church body in the back of their mind. Maybe they're thinking, well, if I get saved, I'm going to have to give something up or I'm going to have to give someone up or I'm going to have to do something that I'm just not comfortable with. But listen to me, church. Anytime God takes something from you, He's going to give you something back that's better. That's the truth. And so many people, they're afraid to come to Jesus. They're afraid to get saved. They're afraid to join the church. Well, I have to do me. I have to have my time. I'm selfish. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're admitting it. Amen? But I promise you, if you get genuinely saved, if you walk that aisle and you profess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you're going to be just like Paul. And you're going to say, when you reach the end of this earth, because we don't know when our day's coming, do we? We don't know when our day is coming, but I pray that when that day comes, that you can look at Jesus and you can say, I served you, Lord, with humility. And Lord, I served you with tears. It's frustrating as a pastor when I see people that's been saved 30 or 40 years and they decided they were done serving. Well, I'm going to give you a prime example of a man sitting right there. He ain't quit serving. And he's been dealing with cancer and everything that you can think of imaginable. If you're still living and if you are still breathing, then you should still be serving. And if you have an excuse, if you have a heart issue, a pastorate issue, whatever issue it is, come give it to God. Come give it to God. And God will take that. And God will break that. And I promise you, God will use you. Amen? God's not real concerned about your comfort. Amen? He's more concerned about using you. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever asked yourself, think about this. How am I serving Jesus, or am I more worried about how Jesus is serving me? Which one of those do you align with? Am I more worried about Jesus serving me, or am I more concerned about me serving who? Jesus. I hope and pray it's B, don't you? I hope and pray that it's B. And then when it comes to being remembered, Paul says number two. I have preached Christ in Christ what? Alone. To all those who would listen. Now the Apostle Paul never preached a wishy-washy, watered-down gospel of Jesus Christ. I can guarantee you that. Apostle Paul, he never played favoritism to one person or the other. He did not care if you were Jew. He did not care if you were Gentile. He did not care if you were white, brown, black, navy, green, purple, orange, red. He did not care. What he cared is that you heard the gospel. That's what he cared about. Chapter 19, it tells us while in Ephesus he entered the synagogue for three months, months and he argued... He argued about the kingdom of God. 
Chapter 19 tells us for over two years he took some of the disciples and he taught Jesus to all the Jews and the Greeks that would listen to the Word of God. He was a speaker of the truth and he did not care who heard the gospel as long as the gospel was heard. And when Paul preached, I believe his preaching went a little bit something like this. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be what? You shall be saved. Confess your sins to the Lord Jesus and you shall be what? You shall be forgiven. Through Jesus, He makes us into a new what? A new creation. Having believed, you were sealed with the what? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, who's your deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance. And I believe He preached this, and salvation is found in no one else, for there's no under name under heaven given to men, which we must be what? Saved. Paul preached the gospel of Jesus. There was no hidden agenda. He had no secrets. He held nothing back. He shared his testimony. People need to hear your testimony, church. We've gotten away from this. We have gotten so far away from sharing our personal testimonies, and then we want to know why our churches are swelling, but they're not growing spiritually. Because they hear Jesus from me, but they need to hear Jesus from you. They need to hear your story. They need to hear about your conversion. They need to hear about how you were lost. They need to hear about how you got saved. They need to hear your what? They need to hear your story. This is what they need to hear. He shared the gospel. He shared the love of Jesus. He shared the salvation is from Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, church, listen to me. I'm going to step on a few toes here real quickly. We have a tendency to preach about a lot of differing subjects throughout our lives. But what will people remember the most that came from your mouth? Are you with me? We have a tendency to preach about a lot of differing things throughout our life. But what are people going to remember the most that came from your life? Over the last six months, we have been preaching a lot about a virus. Over the last six months, we have been preaching a lot about political division. Over the last six months, we have been preaching a lot on listening to hate and division. Did it ever occur to you that over the last six months, what people needed the most was hearing Jesus? That's what they need to hear from your mouth. That's what they need to see from your Facebook that's what they need to see from your social media. That's what they need to see from you at work. That's what they need to see. They need to hear Jesus. Because listen to me, you ready? A virus is not going to change their life eternally. Well, it could. Politics is not going to save you. Money is not going to save you. Only Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what's going to save you. And when it comes to being remembered, Paul says number three. I followed the what? The guidance of who? Of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to read the last two words. Not what? Not fear. I follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Not fear. You know, fear causes people to do some crazy, crazy things. I was on Facebook the other day. I saw a guy in the store. He had cut up a pair of old underwear and put it around his face as a mask. And I thought to myself, Lord, what in the world are we coming to? 
Fear locks us up. Fear, it keeps us silent. Fear closes us off. Fear likes to keep us comfortable. If there was one man that knew a thing or two about fear, guess who it was? It was the Apostle Paul. And I want you to listen to me, church. This man had been beaten. This man had been in prison. He'd been stoned. He'd been shipwrecked. The Bible says he was on the move constantly. He went without sleep. He had been cold. He'd been naked. And the Bible even tells us at one point in his life he'd been beaten so bad they threw him out of town and they left him for what? They left him for dead. Paul once told Timothy, he said, in, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. He didn't say if, he said you will. Every single person that wants to live a godly life for Jesus, you're going to be what? You're going to be persecuted. R. Ken Hughes, he once said this, here at this church, a man or woman who never does anything except what can be done easily will never do anything worth doing at all. And there's where the bell drops. A man or a woman who never does anything except what can be done easily will never do anything worth doing at all. Paul knew everywhere that he went, he would face possible prison. Paul knew everywhere that he went, he would face hardship and persecution would be there waiting on him. So let me ask you, why didn't those fears win? Why didn't those fears win? Why didn't he just say, God, I'm scared. I'm not going to do it. I might get sick. I might go to jail. I might be beaten. I might be flogged. I might be persecuted. God, I'm scared. I love the gospel, Lord. I love you, but I'm just not going to go. Let me ask you, and I want to get personal. You ready? How many times have you ever wanted to share your faith, but fear kept you silent? Fear kept you silent. And isn't it amazing that the most important aspect of our life is kept from others because of fear? Because of fear. Paul told the Christians at Rome, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. You know, you want to hear something real quickly? You can make a difference in someone's life. Absolutely. You can make a difference in someone's life, but will fear hold you back? For the Apostle Paul, fear did not hold him back because the gospel was everything to Paul. And can you imagine if Paul's mindset, imagine if, if it had been just this, well, the gospel is important to me, Jesus, but I might get beat, I might go to prison, I might get circular, or, or, or get persecuted, I might endure hardship, so God, I'm just not going to what? I'm just not going to go. Someone once said, the only known antidote to fear is faith. Is faith. Is that what we have? Because the Bible has told us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a spirit of strength. Amen. That's what we have in us. And then lastly, when it comes to being remembered, Paul says, number four, I live to what? I live to testify about the gospel, not for who? Not for me. 
I lived to testify about the gospel. I did not live for who? I did not live for me. Verse 24 is about as transparent as Paul can possibly be. And he makes two profound statements within this verse. First, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to who? To me. You know, when I read this verse, my mind went straight to Galatians 2.20. The Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. You know, before Paul ever met Jesus, he thought his life was what? Great. He, he thought his life was wonderful. He was smart. He was educated. He was religious. He was a Pharisee. He was more than likely very, very well respected. So Paul was living a life that only a handful of people had the opportunity to live. And in his opinion, he had everything he wanted and needed, and he felt as though his relationship with God was top-notch. But something happened after Jesus saved Paul's life. As Paul looked back on his life, he lived before Jesus, he viewed that life as empty. He viewed that life as void. He viewed his past life without meaning and purpose. And he even told Timothy, he said, I was the worst of sinners. So let me ask you, before Jesus, who or what did you live for? Before Jesus came in your life, who or what did you live for? And if we're honest, if we're honest, we live for ourselves. We lived for our goals, we lived for our passions, we lived for our careers, we lived for what made us happy, and me, many, many people find that type of living good. I believe I've even been in that myself. Where everything that I wanted to do was focused on me and me alone. And then God did something good. He changed my life. Even when I was a Christian, before God called me into ministry, I knew that I was saved. But I wasn't living the life that I should have been living. Wasn't the husband that I needed to be. The father that I needed to be. I wasn't the man of God that I needed to be. And I want you to look at what he says next. He said, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Paul's task was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. It was to take the gospel to the Jews to give testimony of what Jesus is and what Jesus had done and what Jesus was doing in the life of Paul. And Paul had done just that. And the leaders of Ephesus, they knew that it was the truth. You know, when I think back on the people who have gone before me that I loved and respected, there are a few common things that I remember about these people. Are you ready? Number one, how they treated me. Number two, how they treated people. And number three, how their love for Jesus affected the way that they treated people. Those are the things that I remember. See, people may not remember what job or jobs that you had, but people will remember your character. Your character. 
People will remember your love for others, and people will remember the change they saw in your life when Jesus became your Savior. Those are the things that people remember. So let me ask you, when people look at your life, what would they say that you're living for? When they look at your life, what would people say that you're living for? We know that Martha Jean lived for the Lord. We know Martha Jean lived for her family. We know Martha Jean lived for her church family. It makes a difference who you're living for. Amen? It makes a huge difference on who that you're living for in this life. Jesus gave us a responsibility to take the gospel to the world, to teach people, to live lives centered on Jesus and His teachings. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? If there's one thing this world needs right now more than ever, it's hope in Jesus. It's joy in Jesus. It's love in Jesus. It's peace in Jesus. When others think about you, what are they going to remember? What's going to fill their minds and their thoughts and their emotions? And you want to hear some really, really good news? You ready? It's not too late. It's not too late to change. I have men that come to me, well, Brother Donnie, it's, it's too late for me. No, it's not. I have women that come to me, Brother Donnie, it's too late for me to change. No, no, it's not. I have young adults that come to me and say, I, 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 I just can't change. I know that I want to. Well, guess what? You can. And God will. You're right. You can't change yourself. But with God, all things are possible. And that's what God wants for your life. The book of James tells us that our life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone what? And it's gone tomorrow. And when you go out in these graveyards and you go out in these cemeteries and you look at these tombstones, there's a birth date and then there's a what? There's a death date. And then right between it is a little hash. Let me tell you something. You ready? That hash is what defines you. That hash is what people remember the most about you. How will you be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? Today we're going to give you the opportunity to come and to pray. That's what these altars are for. Amen? We're going to give you an opportunity to come and give this to God, give this to Jesus, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in your heart. Today's a great day, amen, to make a change that needs to be made in your life. Don't let fear win, amen? So Billy, as you come, and as we stand, and as we sing, church, today's a day that can change your life forever. Will you come this morning as we sing?